This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, I'm Linda Cohn. And I'm Chuck Charmelsons. And this is Duck Center. That was, uh, I mean, as much as I love the Ducks, I just feel that uh, they might have one of the worst marketing teams in the NHL or in all of sports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean it's that's pretty bad. That video is Exhibit A, among others. Uh, Ryan Kessler walking around naked in the, the office. Uh, I think there was another one with Kessler at one point. You know, the only time I remember them being good, I, the, the Ducks probably weren't involved in this, but you remember that old video, I think it was at the NHL Awards, where it was uh, Bobby Ryan, I think Ryan Getzlaff and Scotty Niedemeyer after the Olympics, and they had the video where like um, they're Bobby and uh, and Getzlaff were doing oh yeah things around the had... center, and he kept calling him Silver. That was oh funny. yeah, that was the last well, was time funny. I remember. That. But I feel like they probably weren't involved. That was like the NHL's like we got this. Like you, guys... I'm surprised that you remember that man because you you were like six years old. Oh yeah, I, like I've seen the video after the fact. I think I I might have seen. No, that wasn't that. Come on, that that was like I was at least like twelve. Yeah, because it was twenty. It was twenty ten. So you're probably a little yeah. older than twelve. I'm just giving you a hard time. No, but I mean that was the last time I remember like one of their videos being funny. But like knowing the NHL, they're probably like, yeah, take a seat, guys. We'll we'll handle it from here. It's, uh, uh, I don't know what to say other than I was extremely disappointed with that was their giant reveal. And uh, sorry I didn't pop right in after you were done with that. I wasn't sure if you were going to play another part of that clip. <laughs> I couldn't take I was it. Like, I was, but I was like, mm, can't do it. I, I was like, is it. there more? Is there more? Like, really? Yeah, there was going to be. But it's like, how much of that video can you take? Because I was already trying to line up like the perfect clip. So I had to listen to it like. I don't know, five or six times. I was like, yeah, this is enough. I can't, I can't take it anymore. I mean, we'll get into that more later because I think we, we, we both kind of want to go a bit in depth on how just how awful that video was. Uh, yeah, and I, like to talk about yeah. what we expected because it, yeah. I didn't expect that. So, but let's let's save that for a little bit later. We got a lot on the show today. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, for those of you tuning in and downloading the show, or if you're live, that's even. Even more on you to spend your Sunday night uh, listening to us babble about our favorite team. Uh, we got the draft to cover and several other things. The Ducks got their picks in. Uh, we have a special guest, Cam Robinson, joined us uh, with an interview. Eddie was able to interview him and take care of business there. He's got some good insight, so we'll talk with him. Um, and then a few things around the NHL and then uh, some more uh, marketing team bashing. But uh, let's wanna, uh, go ahead and kick the intro there. Get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Scoop. Corey Perry. Lillian able to take away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Around the front. Score! 
I do have to mention, too, that we actually might have to shuffle the show on the fly because we, we might have another special guest coming on the show. Uh, Isaac Linderstrom, the Ducks' first-round pick on the 22nd, might be joining us on the show. He's, he's spending the night with family, uh, so he's going to see how that goes, and if he has time, he'll be giving us a call later tonight. That, Like I said, that might fall during the show, so if we have to reshuffle things around, we'll make it work for him. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But hey, I mean, first off, you got to give me a shout-out, man. I didn't miss the intro today. Yeah, so we're the streak is broken. Where I think it was like running the last four shows where we we uh, we missed it, and now we're good. So hopefully we can uh, put a, good, a little streak together. I mean, you do have in giant red letters, like re- put the intro, like put it up there. So <laughs> I yeah, mean, I put an expletive on there. I know we're trying yeah. to keep the show uh, kid friendly for those who uh, listen to us with the kids around, but. Uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure that in 24-point bold red font that I wasn't able to miss it, even though I did it last time and missed it. Uh, do you want to talk briefly about these picks before we hop into the, to the interview, or you just want to let Cam roll with it? Yeah, I think I think we can briefly talk about it, um, because we did talk with Steve on the preview and some of these guys. Well, I think only Lindstrom's name came up, because we, we didn't go too far down, down the line. But yeah, let's talk about them a bit, and we'll talk, talk about the guy first that was the, the Ducks' Rishon pick. On uh, the 22nd, and a guy that, like I said, might be coming on the show today, and Isaac Lindstrom. And, and I, I like the pick. Um, I know a lot of people, because uh, Joe Valeno was falling and falling and falling on draft day, uh, and he was still there when the Ducks were drafting. I know a lot of people wanted him to go there. Um, I was a big fan, and as Cam says in the interview later, of Dominic Bach, who was available, ended up going two picks later to, to St. Louis. But you know, we, we even said with Steve that the Ducks need to draft centers, right? I mean, they needed to take some centers in this draft, and why not take one of the best centers in the draft with your first pick? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that uh, that he's going to be the, the number one center, right? Like, he's not – It's this was not a center-heavy draft. No. But the Ducks did good on getting a guy who's a, a basically a good two-way center, and he has some skill in his game. Um, obviously, they they didn't pick till the twenty third, so you're not getting a top end talent. But I think it's a solid pick for Anaheim. Yeah, and, and I got to give them some credit too, because I mean they always do a good good job drafting, but they get some flack for not taking a lot of risk. And I think the, the, there was only one point in this draft really, I think, where they could have made a risky move to draft again. That was in the first round if they had have taken Dominic Bach over Isaac Lindstrom, but. You know, when you look at the wingers in the system already, you've got Max Jones, Maxim Comtois, you've got Ricard Raquel, you know, you've got Troy Terry's probably going to play on the wing. You've got all these guys coming up on the wing, and you know, maybe you, you swing for the fences and hope Dominic Bach is a first-line winger. Or you play it a little bit safe, you take the best center in the draft, a guy who's going to be a second, third-line center, and show some flashes of offense. I mean, if he gets some a bigger role with, with his team and gets some more consistent offense going, he could be a, a full-time second-line center, which is a great, it's a great haul at that point in the draft. I mean, you're not expecting to get first-line centers. I mean, the Ducks drafted Ricard Raquel, 30th overall. He's now a top-six forward. Sam Steele is going to be a second-line center, most likely, and you drafted him 30th overall. So, I, you know, everybody expecting this guy drafting guys at 23rd to, to 30 to be a first-line center. I mean, you can't use Getzlaff in his example anymore. I mean, it doesn't happen, and and when it does happen, when you get a get slap in a pair at that point, it doesn't happen often. So, I mean, you can't, you can't be mad at getting a third-line center in the first round. I mean, not every guy in there is going to be a superstar. No, and you could build around your team other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, this league is, it's, I mean, yeah, the centers, those are the big guys. But, uh, I mean, you get the right scoring guy around. You play, um, 
you could change the style of hockey to be to be more competitive. But it is tough. I mean, right? You do need a solid center, but I mean, it's tough to find from uh, the draft. I mean, when you're drafted not in the in the in the top end, and the Ducks are trying to remain competitive, they have a closing window. So I kind of feel like they got the best option out there, and I, and I think he's going to be a good fit for this team. It maybe takes some some developing, right? Because he's still a young kid, and he's got to go back to Sweden next year. But uh, he'll be the Ducks system, sure enough. Yeah, and, and you know, again, one more thing on the elite centers because this is what was the thing that was frustrating me the most the other day. When you look at the elite centers in the game, Sidney Crosby, John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, Nicholas Backstrom just won a Stanley Cup. These guys don't come in later rounds, other than. Ryan Getzlaff, and there are examples where you get guys in later rounds, but it does, just doesn't happen anymore. You get them in the top five, maybe the top ten if you get a bit lucky. That's where you get these elite number one centers. That's the only place you get them is through the draft. So to think that the Ducks are going to get this guy elite in, in the first round because they got one before with Ryan Getzlaff, it, it's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, I'm happy with his pick. I, I believe you're also happy with, with them getting him uh, at 23. You know, there's a lot of people who had him ranked a little bit higher. There was at times this season where he was, I think, the third best European skater by NHL Central Scouting, which means he, he was ahead of a lot of guys. I think the only guys he was behind were Rasmus Dahlin, of course, and Adam and Adam Buckris. So I'm, I'm happy with him. I, I can't complain. So so let's, let's move away from that. Get on to the second pick here. And uh, Benoit Olivier Gru, who goes by Bo Gru, playing in Halifax with now Anaheim Ducks prospect Antoine Moran. So what did you think uh, of this pick? Well, I mean, from what I was reading around, he was considered a potentially risky prospect with high reward. So, I mean, when you start getting deeper into the draft, it's, it's kind of like uh, it's an unknown, right? I mean, they can do great in the queue, which is where he was playing. But uh, coming into the AHL or... Even you know you could even tear up the AHL and come into the NHL, but um, he's he's a solid player. I, I, I know that he, you know the other part of him that they're talking about his downside is is his skating, so he's definitely has some time to get some seasoning. But overall, when you're looking at a pick and you, you start getting, I mean, what what uh, second round? But like how far in the in I think the it was into the fifties? Uh, yeah. So I mean, like you were saying, like known commodities that are going to be impactful immediately or first rarity unless it's a goaltender outside the first round right um you kind of just have to see what happens as you get down in the draft but i don't think it was a bad pick at all he's already a big kid so let's you know let's see what happens when he gets some uh development yeah i I mean in the second round when i'm all for going for a guy unless there is like a super risky where you might get a guy who could be like a a top 20 pick but there's some question marks around him. If there was a guy like that, then maybe take the risk there. Like, say, if Ryan Merkley had a fell to the second round, maybe then you take a risk on that there because you've already used your first-round pick on something safe. But, I mean, the Ducks went, again, the safe option here. You know, Benoit, Olivier Grew, he has a, a safe floor over a rather a risky ceiling. You know, he's a guy who, who's most likely, no matter what, is going to be at least like a third or, or a bottom six winger or center in the National Hockey League. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, at least you know this guy's most likely going to make your team in the future. A little bit farther down the road, but he's got all the intangibles there. Again, just like Lindstrom, he's kind of like a jack-of-all-trades guy. He's, you know, he's good at everything, but he's not exceptional at one thing. And that's, again, where the Ducks got a little bit of criticism. But, I mean, there weren't many other guys that I had there that they should have taken over him. I mean, he was a guy at one point, again, just like Comtois and Morand were last year for the Ducks, that was ranked as a first-round prospect fell a little bit throughout the season because the offense just wasn't quite there. 
I mean, the only guy maybe I would have given a look other than him was Philip Hallander, who went four picks after. But there's not a huge difference there, honestly. I, I mean, he has a very good shot. Um, he, you know, the offense isn't quite there, uh, and, and the skating definitely is, I think, his biggest weakness. But you know, he, he'll be a guy who can come to the league, and, and I, I, I don't, I don't like comparing guys, but you know, maybe like a Jordan Stahl, a Philip Deneau, uh, Andrew Cogliano, in the sense of a great penalty killer without the speed. I feel like that's the type of guy he could be, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that every team needs that type of guy. And, you know, I, I think he'd be a, an asset. And the only question I think here is if he stays at center or, or moves to the wing. Uh, and he also played on a line. Uh, he centered a line with Philip Zadina, who we all know went six overall to Detroit. So there's always that question mark around a guy is, you know, is he really good or is he benefiting from playing with very good players? And the same thing we saw with uh, Dylan Strom when he played in, in Erie with Connor McDavid, and that hasn't turned out as Arizona would have liked it either. So we'll see. Uh, I'm still I'm still happy with the pick. There were a lot of people who had him ranked as a late first-round, early second-round prospect. Well, I mean, moving on to the third pick, they got Blake McLaughlin. Um, he was somebody that was projected to go much higher as well. Um, and and he's, he's got a lot of potential. So people were really surprised that he dipped. But uh, he's he's definitely a playmaker. He could shoot the puck. Uh, he could skate. Um, they were just saying a few things with him. It's just kind of like he needs to maybe be more consistent in his play. From what I was reading about him, I haven't seen any uh, like too many highlights of him playing. But uh, he's definitely got the hands and the skating there. So and you got to be consistent at all levels to be able to get up to the NHL. So we'll see how his development goes. But uh, I know you were high on this pick too. Oh, I love this pick. This is my favorite pick of the draft for them. When, I, when the second round started, I think it was the night before the second round, I put out four guys on our Twitter of who the Ducks should target in the second round. And Blake McLaughlin was one of those guys. He ends up falling into the third round, and the Ducks grab him. And, and it was great. I mean, our boy Steve, we had on, on our draft preview show, had him ranked 25th. of the. Uh, it wasn't, like you said before, he didn't do a mock draft, but he, had, he ranked it as in the future where are these guys going to be based off like how good they are and he ended up having Blake McLaughlin as number 25 so I mean there's a lot of bias in, in all the rankings but if that pans out can't complain getting that guy in the third round and, and like you said he's an extremely skilled player he has a, a lot of raw offensive talents lacks a little bit of strength he's still a little bit smaller he's 5'11 161 uh, so he's definitely going to need to beef up there Maybe he ends up hitting six feet, 180 by the time he makes it to the NHL, which would be perfect. And, and he's got a lot to prove. Um, he'll be a fun guy to watch because he's going to be in the NCAA next year with the University of Minnesota, which I think we'll, we'll really see if he's a, a really special talent or if he's a typical third-round guy. I think we'll really get to see that next year because NCAA is a whole different animal. You're playing against a lot of older guys. He's going to be a freshman going in there. He's only going to be, I think, 18 or 19 going in. So it'll be interesting to see how he does there. Oh, yeah, and nothing wrong with that either. Nothing wrong with being a depth player. Everybody needs him. He's got hands. If you can provide a, you know, a couple of uh, goals here and there and make quick plays if you're in a bottom six role, nothing wrong with that at all. But, uh, hey, I said we bring the expert the expert in and, uh, you know, get Cam on the show here yeah, no problem. I'll to, uh, to fill us right up yeah, with some knowledge. Somebody, yeah, we need, we need, the, we need to get the, the actual expert who spends a lot of time reviewing these prospects on just like we had Steve. So we'll uh, queue up the interview with Cam right now. All right, so uh, I mean, we can just get right into it because I know you're you're short on time. Um, you're obviously, yeah. you're at the airport you're heading home, so we'll we'll start off with um, with just an overall look uh, at the Ducks draft. We'll get into 
some of the players, of course, after. But how do you think they did? I know a lot of people put out grades, and, and I guess a lot of them do fall on bias. I've seen C-minuses thrown around. I've seen some Bs. I, I think I recently saw uh, Steve Cornianos give the Ducks an A-minus. How do you think they did at the draft? Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, ranking a, a draft class the moment it's done is so challenging, right? Because realistically, we don't know what this is going to look like for five, ten years. Yeah. Uh, so I like what the Ducks did. So they got Lindstrom there at 23, and I think that's, uh, you know, good value for him. I think he could have gone anywhere from, you know, kind of 14 to, to about 23. Uh, so especially you saw teams reaching on centers early and often there. So uh, I think they did very well to grab him there in the first. Uh, and they got themselves another center in the second round. It went uh, Gruel. Uh, so Gruel's a speedy kid who, former first overall pick in the QMJHL draft, uh, hasn't really lived up to the expectations yet. But, you know, he's he's a gamer and he's got some skills. And I think that was a nice spot there, uh, whatever they got him at 55 or 54. Um, and overall, too, I, I like Blake McLaughlin. I think he's got some skills, you know, playing in the USHL. And other guys got really nice speed, uh, plays on the left side. Uh, I like Lucas Dostal. He might be, you know, the second best goalie in this crop for my money. I don't remember exactly where I had him on uh, on my board, but uh, in that 85 range is perfect, I think. Uh, and then, you know, when you're when you're swinging in four, five, six, it's they're just yeah. lottery tickets at that point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the focus on a lot of people was definitely on the on the first four guys. And we'll start off with uh, Isaac Lindstrom, and I think. This was an important draft for the Ducks to finally bring in some centers. I mean, you've got Sam Steele, who's kind of the corner piece right now. Maybe not an elite guy. I think he's kind of right just outside that tier, but that's the go-to guy. And then you saw them draft some guys who could play center. I think Maxim Comtois played that before. Antoine Morand is maybe a guy who could play at center in the National Hockey League. He still could be a guy that, that might project as a winger. And I think the same goes for Troy Terry. But you see them take a guy in Lindstrom who should be a center when he gets there. I think the only question marks about him are you know, how high his ceiling is offensively. Yeah, that's right. So I definitely see him as a, as a pivot moving forward. And, and you know he's played that in the SHL for you know most of this season and a little bit even as a draft minus one player last year in, in the Swedish Hockey League. So that's a great sign for him. Uh, he, he's pretty good on face-offs. He's defensively responsible. He's got a projectable frame. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right questioning the top-end offensive ceiling of him. I definitely don't see him as a, a top-line center. I think if everything breaks right, he could be a, a nice guy on a second line. Probably more realistically, he becomes a, a third-line center or that mid-six center that can kind of move up and down, uh, maybe play on a second power play unit, kill some penalties for you. He's kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades. He's an all-around type of player who I really like. I, I wanted to see him take a, a few more steps offensively this year, uh, which hasn't happened, but but, you know, that's not the end of the world, uh, especially at 23. If you can get yourself an NHL player that can play in your middle six down down the middle, too, uh, that's going to be a good uh, good grab for the team. Yeah, I think, too, the, the one thing I think about him is, of course, like you said, the, the, the two-way game is there and the offense is, is what a lot of people have an issue around. But I think uh, he's a guy maybe if you give him a little bit uh, of more role where he can thrive in offensively. I know when he got thrown into the fire when Leas Anderson was out in the World Juniors, he kind of thrived in that role, and we saw a little bit more of his offensive exploits. And maybe we'll see that a bit more in the SHL coming up this next season, that if he give, he's given that opportunity a bit more, then maybe we'll see that. Because you, you see it in spurts at times. He, there's, there are games where he takes over, and, and he looks like he's got that offensive side to his game and then there are games where he kind of disappears and, and maybe not disappears in a bad way where he's really focusing on the defensive side of the game but I, I think if he, he's given that a, that more of a role to expand 
that uh, will really see him thrive offensively. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I was I made that comment back in you know January too that you, you see when you give him an opportunity up the lineup and play with creative players and put in offensive situations that he does have he has a higher ceiling than some were giving him credit for than you know projecting him as a bottom six center. Um, I think he does have the ability to step up his game a little bit. Uh, he's not the fastest player, so that might hold him back a little bit on the small ice uh, to create offense. But down low, he, he's hard to handle. He protects the puck well. Um, he does have some nice hands. So, yeah, I, I really like the pick, and I, I think he could be a guy that, you know, down the line can chip in 40, maybe 50 points on a, for you at some point. Yeah, and, and we don't really see a guy that often, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, where he has so much pro experience going into his draft year, especially in Sweden. I think he played about 91 games as now over the last two seasons in the top league in Sweden. Uh, I mean, that has to project uh, to him maybe getting to the NHL sooner rather than later. Uh, how quick do you think it is before he's either in the NHL or at least in the AHL with San Diego? Yeah, you're, you're, he's, he's quite polished uh, as a player. So defensively, obviously, as we already talked about, that he's very reliable. Um, and that's going to be a translatable skill that coaches are going to love. So I wouldn't. Uh, I don't really expect him to cross over this season. I don't know if the Ducks have plans to bring him over for training camp or just let him start his his year early in the NHL like the, most of the kids do. Um, see his role expand, maybe put up a few more points, get comfortable, and then you know you could see him crossing over and potentially sliding into like a fourth line center role for the team in in 2019-20, or have him play some bigger minutes in in the AHL and get acclimatized to the smaller ice and, and the different style of play in North America. So you know you, you could see him anywhere from one to three years away from, from being on the NHL team. It's kind of all up to him, but uh, his, his traits are going to be something that translates to the NHL ice uh, sooner than some of these other kids that are playing junior hockey. Yeah, and I think there was one, I think, criticism a lot of people had with the draft. I think people liked the pick and bringing in a center into the organization, but the Ducks tend to play it safe a lot with their picks, more of a, a guy who has a projectable floor, and then the ceiling, there's a little bit of a question about that. Uh, do you think there was a guy that maybe they could have taken a swing on instead of Lundestrom at 23 that maybe has a higher ceiling, but there's a little bit more risk involved? Yeah, absolutely. Dominic Bach was sitting there at 23, which uh, I was pretty upset that he was still there. Then he was sitting there at 24 and then at 25, and finally St. Louis jumped up and grabbed him. So uh, Dominic Bach would be that guy for me. I really like Bach. Uh, you know, Anaheim does have uh, some some nice young defense, or uh, they have some nice young defensemen on their on their team, so they they are able to pass on guys like Godin and Lundqvist. Uh, but to get a a really highly skilled player, Bach does carry a little more risk. Uh, you know, he he only played a handful of games in the SHL this past season, uh, but he he can just stick handle on a phone booth sort of thing. So uh, he he's a player that they could have taken a big swing on. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, again, you're not getting a bad player. At 23, and if Lindstrom comes in, he's a third line center. I mean, that that's you, you can't always get a Ricard Raquel or a Sam Steele in the late first round. A guy who's going to come in and, and be an elite offensive player. It's just, it's not going to happen. And I think if you do get, you know, you play it safe and you end up getting the the second line, third line center, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I mean, I guess we move on to the the second pick here, and and Bo Grul, and and it's almost the same type of pick, kind of a safe floor over a risky risky ceiling type pick where. You know he's he's kind of a jack of all trades again, where he's he's good at a lot of things, but he's not really elite at one skill set. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. So a guy that was picked by many to be a first round talent, you know, especially like I said, he was drafted early in a few drafts and and projected to be you know maybe even in the, in the first half of the first round. And 
Uh, I think he was at the tail end of my first round last August when I first put up a, a ranking and just kind of consistently slid back into that mid-late second round. Um, but, but again, like you said, he, he's a pretty safe player. He has some, some pro skills that you can see. Uh, he, he's willing to engage. He has good speed. He's, he's pretty strong defensively. Just that offensive ceiling doesn't look like it's there at this point. Um, so another guy that you, you hope you can slide into your middle six um, and, and contribute on a PK sort of thing. But I, I don't project him to be a first power play guy or, or a real top six forward. And do you think he, he fell more because there wasn't just an elite skill set that he showed he had, or was it because other guys around him just kind of, they were doing a lot better and moved in front of him? Yeah, I think a bit of both. So when a player, uh, I don't want to say he stagnated, but yeah. he maybe didn't take these steps expected of him. Um, and then other players did, right? So, so it's kind of a little bit of both there. And the ISS ranked him as the top defensive forward in the class. Do you think that's, I mean, you mentioned putting him on the PK, slide him into your bottom six. That's what you kind of expect as a guy who has uh, that, that type of acumen in, in defensively. Do you think that is a fair assessment of him and the other guys in this draft? That he's the top defensive player in this draft? Yes. Yeah, well, I, I don't know <laughs> I'm not sure if I could go that far um, yeah. without giving it to you know a great deal of thought, but he, but he definitely plays his position well. He gets in front of shots. He he has a good stick. He um, he gets in on the forecheck very well. So uh, he, he is very very effective on the penalty kill, which is something you want to see, especially from an energy player like I, I project him to be. Um, so we'll see if he stays in the middle of the ice too. So he has played a little bit a little bit of wing, and uh, when he moves up, he he might end up being that kind of checking line winger for you as well. But either way, uh, you know in the tail end of the second round you're, you're trying to get NHLers and I think he's got a good chance of being one yeah and the last thing I have uh, for Gru is there is a little bit of a worry that playing with Zadina uh, can he do it on his own and we see this all the time I mean Dylan Strom when he was in Erie with Connor McDavid is, is it can can Dylan Strom do it on his own it's the same thing here I feel like with with Gru playing on the same line with Zadina do you think playing with such an elite talent had any influence on his production or do you think he is really a guy who can hold his own no, uh, definitely playing with, a, with an all-world talent like Zadina inflated his stats. And I, I don't think there was really much confusion by by many people about that. So yeah. if you playing on a team that he was the anchor on the line, he was driving play and creating and ended up with those point totals, he would have got selected much higher. Uh, so he, it's it's nice to see that he can play with skilled players. You want to see that, that their their game can be elevated with, with quality talent because as he moves up, he's going to be playing with better players. Um, and, you know, if injuries arise and he, he gets an opportunity to slide up the lineup, he, he can show that he can play with skilled players. So, so that's a positive sign, but at the same time, uh, it needs to be expected that he's not going to be a high-end offensive player uh, as his numbers may indicate in a different situation. For sure, for sure. And, and moving on to the, to the next guy here in Blake McLaughlin, I think this was maybe a pick with uh, maybe the Ducks didn't really take necessarily a risk, but they might have got a, a steal at this point because there were a lot of people who, who had tagged him as maybe a first-round or second-round talent, and he falls to the Ducks in the third round. Uh, I think he's a guy a lot of people haven't seen playing out with, with Chicago in the USHL. What's uh, what's kind of the profile on a guy like Blake McLaughlin? Uh, kid's got a lot of speed, a lot of speed, uh, and he uses it well. He gets in on the forecheck. He can cause a little havoc, create some turnovers. Um, he's got pretty good hands, and you're absolutely right. I really like him in that range there at the tail end of the third round. There was a string of picks late in the third round that I really, really liked that I felt, yeah. you know, a great deal of those players had an opportunity to go early. Um, and Anaheim got in on it with uh, with McLaughlin. 
Yeah, and, and there was I, I really didn't see the, the only thing I saw that maybe said he fell was some off ice issues. I haven't been able to find anything on that. Was there a reason that he fell out? Because like I said, I saw there was a lot of people who thought maybe not first round, but at least high second round talent, and he falls all the way down to the third round. Yeah, unfortunately for me, I just I just trust what I see. Um, I don't I don't get to be in the room and get a real judge on these guys' character and things like that. So I, I can't comment on that. Um, but you know, there's the like I said in that in that tail end of the third round, even all the way through the third round, there's a lot of good players that I had in my second round, and, and they kind of all slipped down. And uh, it's just kind of this draft in particular. It was a real blender, and teams took swings on players that many of us thought would be going far later, and they they jumped up and grabbed them early, and, and thus pushed these other guys back down the list. Yeah, and I think he, you know, he complements a little bit what the Ducks were, were looking to do, bringing in two maybe defensive focused centers in, with the first two picks, and then bringing in a guy who maybe has not maybe not game breaking talent, but at least can provide a little bit of, of something like that. I know mean, you, like you said, you missed on Bach in in the first round, and then you bring in a guy who at least has some playmaking ability and, and some skill with this third round pick. Yeah, definitely. I think he. Um... You know, I don't want to say he has the highest offensive upside of the three because uh, I think I'd be discounting Lindis from a little bit. But uh, but for where he's picked, I think it's really nice value. Yeah, and, and we'll move on to the, to the last game we'll talk about here for, in, in the end of the third round was Lucas Dostal, and he was a guy that was ranked number one for European goaltenders in this draft. And we saw, I think, three European goaltenders go in front of him. And I know goaltending, it's, it's always hard to project, and some teams will like one guy over another guy based on different things. What what do you think from from Lucas Dawson? I mean, we saw a bit of him at the World Junior Championship, I believe. Uh, is he a guy that teams should look out for? Is he a guy that projects maybe as a backup or a starter in the National Hockey League? Well, it, it's hard to know at this point. Yeah. He, he's quite raw, um, so he's uh, I think he's only about six foot six foot one, maybe uh, slight one hundred and sixty five pounds, if I'm remembering correctly. I uh, played in the, in the Tier Two League over there in the Czech, and a very very quick. Has great reflexes. I don't consider myself an expert on scouting goaltenders, but I did like what I saw from him when I did see him. And uh, speaking with some of the guys that I do trust and, and rely on, uh, they like him as well. And so, uh, for the most part, I think the, the goalie guys that I spoke to, they had him, you know, either number one or two on the goalie board behind uh, Skerek. So, uh, so uh, yeah, I like him at that spot. Um, if I just pull up my list here, we'll see where I had him. I had him 73. And so, you know, he went 85. So, for, for for my list, uh, that's that's really good value, and especially because there's a few goaltenders already grabbed in front of him, a couple of surprises. For sure, yeah. And, and I, I kind of want to talk about two things here, moving a little bit away from the Ducks, just about the draft in general. And you, you look at some of the guys falling and, di- and where, where teams are able to get a couple guys. You know, the, the first one for me is the New York Islanders and where they're able to do at this draft, getting Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson at 11 and 12, and then getting Bodie Wild in the second round. Uh, maybe not the clear winners of this draft, but they definitely banked in on, on some high-end talent early on. Oh, without a doubt, I really, really liked what the Islanders did this draft. And, you know, they got Skerek uh, in the third round as well, so yeah. I, I like that pickup for them too. So uh, they were, you know, one of the one of the big winners. Anyways, I, I like what they did. I really liked what Detroit did. Chicago did well. Um, so there, there was a few teams that. It really came out, and they should be feeling good about themselves. Although, if you ask the GM, everybody feels good about themselves the day after yeah. the draft, right? We all got our guys. Um, we targeted them. We got our guys. So, uh, we'll, we'll have to look back here uh, in a year and three years and five years and see who, uh, who actually did well. 
For sure. And about two centers I, I kind of want to talk about. One is Barrett Hayden and him jumping all the way up to number five for Arizona. And then Joe Valeno falling all the way down to 30 to Detroit. Uh, we'll start with, with Barrett Hayden. What do you think the Arizona likes so much about him that they've drafted him at five? Or was it merely based on positional need for the organization? Oh, it's interesting. So, uh, you know, I, I talked to uh, some people at the draft there and you know, I talked to Jim Benning and, and it sounded like uh, a lot of people liked Barrett Hayden early. So yeah. uh, it, it was it was rumored that Montreal was very strongly considering taking him at three, uh, that they were really kind of on a coin flip with Kakaniemi or Hayden. Uh, obviously, they went that way. Uh, Arizona, uh, John Chayka, their GM there, uh, apparently his, his quote was that he was obsessed with Barrett Hayden. He, he watched every single shift he had this season, just loved his style of play. So he's a kid that you can see has uh, a lot of potential. So he, he's, he's pretty strong defensively already. He's a good two-way player, uh, played on a good team, kind of in a bit of a secondary role for part of the season. And, and he did carry a line, and, and he had strong playoff. He, he ran into the goal for that a little bit, where uh, people projected him as maybe a third-line center, maybe a second-line center if everything went right. But he, he's taking nice, quick steps developmentally. So his skating improved this season um, pretty demonstrably from, from the year before. Um, he got stronger, and you're hoping that you see that continue along. So it was definitely a, a surprise pick at five. But uh, word around the campfire was that Arizona was looking to slide back uh, and, and still get him. And they were concerned that Vancouver might take him at seven. And Chicago was, I guess, desperately trying to jump up and, and grab Hayden in front of some other teams too. So Arizona just decided to stay where they were and got their man. Yeah, and I think it was it surprised a lot of people. But again, even general managers, they, they find a guy, like you said, obsess over that guy. And sometimes they'll pick him higher over some guys who might be ranked a little higher. And again, we, we really don't know now. I mean, Arizona will feel like they had a good draft, and we won't know until three or five years down the road whether it was a good choice or not. And, and I think the same thing might apply to Joe Valeno, who ends up falling all the way down to 30, almost out of the first round of Detroit. What do you have to say about that? Why do you think maybe he fell so low when some people had him possibly as the best center in the draft? Yeah, so I personally didn't feel that way. I had him in, in the mid twenties, sort of yeah. thing. So I, I wasn't surprised his team slide down. And, and talking with some scouts, uh, you know, in the months leading up to, is that a lot of a lot of the Quebec pro scouts there didn't see him as a first round talent. So he's got great north south speed, uh, and you know he's he's got a, a nice a nice vision on the power play, a really nice power play distributor. But that's about it for me. So um, you know, I don't want to knock the kid. He, he can do other things, obviously. But for offensive upside, I don't really see him as being a guy who can produce elite things. Uh, maybe has some some of those things that you like to say he's got he's got the tools, but maybe not the full tool belt. So uh, I wasn't surprised. I think Detroit did you know well grabbing Zadina and Delano in the first round. Like that that looks nice for their organizational depth chart, and maybe he'll use that as fuel for the fire and and really work hard this summer and and come back and prove some people wrong too. So uh, there's really no knocking him down, but I, I think he went about where he should have. So the 20 to 40 range for my money, you could have threw all the names in the hat and had a toddler pull him out and it might've been as close as you could come. So uh, he was right in that, uh, right in that range. And then he went right in the middle of it. And, and we didn't really see a lot of trades this year. And a lot of, that, I think is it was surrounding Kovalchuk waiting to get signed to everything surrounding John Tavares and, and some of the free agents available, but we did see one. And it turned out to be a pretty big trade. And, and Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm going to the Calgary Flames. Uh, Adam Fox, Dougie Hamilton, and Michael Fairland coming back. What were your first thoughts uh, of that trade? As such a big trade. We're all waiting for one to happen. I guess everybody got rewarded with a blockbuster. 
Yeah, so it's funny. I've had my mind focused so much on the draft and yeah. the prospects. I haven't really sat down and, and digested that trade too much, but uh, just right off the hop is that it's very, very strange that a player like Dougie Hamilton's been moved twice before he yeah. turns 25. Uh, so a big right-shot guy who's a, like a, a sure-fire first-pairing defenseman should not be getting moved, especially on his contract. Like, he makes good yeah. money, too. Like, a, it's a reasonable contract. Uh, so, you know, I heard John Shannon say that, you know, when everyone goes out for dinner, he's, he's the guy who everyone's going to Moxie's and he's going to the museum was the quote, I think. And yeah. <laughs> I don't really do that as a negative so much. But yeah. so he's obviously insinuating that he's not a, he's not a team guy. He's not hanging out with the boys. But <laughs> that's really not a reason to dish him for me. So I think it's very interesting that Bill Peters is coming from Carolina now to coach Calgary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't really get along with Elias Lindholm all that well. And, you know, some people said he buried Noah Hannafin. I think he was more he sheltered Noah Hannafin on that third pair. So we'll, we'll see how that goes in Calgary. Uh, just, just you know, at first glance sort of thing, I like it for Carolina. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of debate on both sides. Some people saying it's a bad trade for Calgary. Somebody saying it's a bad trade for Carolina. You get that with every trade, and I think especially when it's a blockbuster and you have names like Dougie Hamilton and Noah Hannafin trading places, you're going to get – I think that kind of disparity with and, and it's always it happens in every trade. No matter the, the magnitude of the trade, there's always fans on one side who believe they could have gotten more or some fans believe that they got robbed. So I think you're gonna see that no matter what. Um, on the on the draft floor, a question for you because I know you spent obviously some time down there in, in Dallas on the draft floor. Are some GMs just talking to others just to kind of stir the pot on social media? I know they really don't care, but we, we see it so often. I, I mean I think I saw a couple times that Lou Lamorello and, and Bob Murray were talking. Of course, nothing comes of it, but it makes it makes everybody makes a huge deal of it on Twitter. So, Oh, man. Uh, I think these guys are just bullshit. <laughs> They're just, like, you, you see it. Everyone's kind of hanging around, coming around, shaking hands, you know, yeah. how's the family, just catching up. Um, I tell you, before the draft actually happened, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, we were hanging out, you know, at the hotels and stuff, and the Ducks were staying at our hotel, and we were at the Fairmont World. Tons of other teams were, and, uh, you know, I think I saw almost every GM in the league, and they were all on their phones the whole time. And yeah. so I'm, I'm assuming they were talking to each other. And so I know Pierre Dorian said on, on Friday night there that that was as quiet a day as it had been, you know, all week. Yeah. That nobody was really getting into much on Friday. And so, yeah, I, I, it's just these guys, did, you know, they go back, they see each other, you know, multiple times a year, and they're just they're just chatting, and that's that's what yeah. we're all doing. I was around shaking hands and, and having conversations with people, and you know, just having a good time, see if you can hear some stuff. But but really, uh, you know, I'm sure some of these things can happen quickly on the draft floor if there is some action. But this year, that wasn't the case. Yeah, and it's always just funny to see the the mayhem caused on Twitter by, by one tweet of, of two GMs just talking on the floor or Kyle Dubas picks up the phone and everybody thinks that, that he's end up he's going to trade William Nylander or something. So it, it's always funny to, to see the mayhem caused by that. Uh, last question I have for you because I know you're, you're short on time. Uh, you're, you're obviously looking forward to the summer after you've got a couple shows to do today. But uh, you got to start looking forward to 2019 at some point in the draft coming up then. Uh, what, what can you say about Jack Hughes? I know, of course, you, you hope he, he ends up being a Vancouver Canuck come 2019 draft, but what kind of uh, talent is he in comparison? I've heard people say he's better than maybe than Austin Matthews and, and Patrick Laine, but I, it's hard to judge. But by, what are you looking forward to in, in 2019? Uh, well, I was definitely looking forward to Jack Hughes. The kid is a tremendous talent. Um, so now I'm not going to sit here and say that he's better than Austin Matthews is because yeah. Austin Matthews years older and he's taken steps in his development but at the same age he is a better prospect in my mind yeah. uh, and, and definitely better than line a was at the same age line kind of you know came firing out of the gate there in his draft eligible campaign but 
So the the speed that Hughes brings to the ice is, you know, as as dangerous as anyone I've seen since McDavid sort of thing. So he has just elite, elite speed, great edges, and he's one of these guys that, that sees the play and thinks the play two, three steps ahead of everybody else. He, he finds the soft areas, great hands, elusive, gets the up and under the bar. Yeah, his distribution skills are, you know, he's got A's across the board. He, he's a slam dunk at this point, first overall pick. You know, some people might think that, you know, Capo Caco might be uh, comparable, like it might give him a run for his money. And, and I like the Finnish kid. He, he's a good player too, but uh, they're, they're not that close for me. So uh, he, he's a very, very special player. The, the most interesting interesting thing to see is where is he going to play? So uh, he had the opportunity to talk to him this weekend, and uh, there had been rumors floating out there that he was really trying to hammer home his high school courses this summer and, and get to the University of Michigan and potentially play with his brother Quinn there if Quinn decided not to turn pro. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's happening. It doesn't sound like Europe's going to be an, uh, an option like it was for Matthews. Uh, for labor law reasons, he won't be old enough. Uh, so it sounds like he's going to be back at the at the program this year playing with the U18s, and it, it's which is a little disappointing. It's going to be kind of peewee hockey when he's playing the USHL guys, but he will get to play some NCAA teams too and get challenged that way. And, you know, just look forward to him destroying the world juniors this year. Uh, he could have been there this, this past winter and put up big numbers too. So that'll be what we're looking for. And, uh, and next year he'll be hearing his name called first. Yeah. And, and as a Vancouver fan with, with the 17 seasons of the Sedins over and now Quinn Hughes being drafted this year, I'm sure you're hoping for 17 seasons of the Hughes brothers in Vancouver come 2019. Yeah, absolutely. We asked uh, we asked Benning that too, and he said, "I I hope we're better than better next yeah. year than that." But you know, with the lottery system, you might miss the playoffs a few points, and you still could get lucky. You know, it wouldn't be Vancouver's uh, history of luck, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. All right, perfect, Cam. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy day. I know you're trying to get back home, uh, and you're currently in the airport now, but thank you so much for coming on the, on the show. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Is there anything else you, you want to plug uh, here, You anything you have coming out that you want people to, to go listen to or go check out? Uh, no, just, you know, follow me on Twitter, Crazy Joe Devola 3 uh, It's always fun if people get the reference there, and uh, I'll probably take a little break, uh, maybe look at putting up some, some fantasy rankings from now that we see where players ended up. Uh, throw that up maybe this week or next week, and then uh, just regular ramblings on the, on the main site there, and then we'll start looking at the 2019 crop. We'll probably put out that first ranking sometime in August. All right, perfect, Cam. We'll take care of a safe play home. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. All right, so that was uh, Cam Robinson with Dauber Prospects. Uh, I'd like to thank him again for coming on. It was a great interview, just kind of getting some insight to uh, some of the Ducks prospects that that got drafted. And and Patrick, speaking of Ducks prospects, for anybody that uh, wasn't keeping up to our Twitter uh, in the last about 15 minutes, uh, Isaac Lindstrom is coming on the show, um, so we're going to have to do something interesting here. We're going to actually have to call him live on the show and and, uh, try and get him in here. The off-the-cuff stuff, man. I love this stuff. That's so cool he's even going to come on the show. Perfect. All right. I know you're uh, you're out celebrating with your family, like you said, so thank you uh, for joining us. I know it's been a busy couple days. Yeah, no problem. So we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, I mean, it's been – you've had a couple – well, pretty much about a day to digest now. So just to describe that feeling when you hear your name called, you get up to the stage, you shake some hands, and you put on that Ducks jersey. Yeah, I mean, when I sit there and the, the pigs go, and yeah, you're being a little bit nervous. But uh, when I hear my name, it's really emotional. Uh, when I have my my family and everyone around me, so it was a it was a big moment, and uh, yeah, very very happy when I when I got heard my name. 
You've been uh, celebrating since then, so you, you said you're spending some time with, with family right now. Are you, you planning on, are you guys still in Dallas now, or are you planning on, on going back home and, and celebrating with some family in Sweden? No, I mean, I have some days now in Dallas here with, with my family, and uh, going to to Orange County on Tuesday, I, I fly down, so, yeah. So, uh, for us who haven't seen a lot of your game here, uh, as Ducks fans, you know who would you say you modeled your game after? There's so many great Swedes, but you growing up, who did you idolize? Yeah, I mean, as you said, I I have uh, looked up to too many Swedes, like Swedish centers, like Setterberg and Backstrom, like like Peter Forsberg. He was playing also, so we're a bit the Swedish centers, I would say. Like what? Like, so you say you you like those guys? I know Peter Forsberg is kind of. Uh, He's kind of a more of the, the heavy hitter, but also could put the puck in the net and, and play some defense too. But uh, what is your style of play? Like, how do you like how do you like to play the game? I would say I'm a I'm a strong two way center. Uh, I like to carry the puck and uh, pretty strong at the puck at the boards and uh, always try to to do my teammates better and uh, really good in at the skate when I get to the top speed. And and you'll be back uh, in in Sweden next year, and, and you'll be playing another season in there before making a decision where to go after that. Well, what are some things you're you're looking to improve on to take your game to the next level next season? Uh, I mean, uh, of course, my my face-offs, and uh, uh, I had a had a good year last season in in Lula and I felt my D, D zone has been better, but uh, I need to improve a little bit to to get more into the net and. Take a little bit more shots and be a little more selfish. And I'm often passing a little bit too much, but uh, maybe shooting a little bit often. And I want to develop my my offense also. For sure. And it will you think it would be nice to kind of get that pressure, I guess, off of your, of your shoulder? And going into the draft season, you've you got that pressure of trying to impress a bunch of teams. Now you get to go back. You're part of the the Anaheim Ducks. Now you're part of an organization. Is it a little bit of a relief? And you think it'll uh, take that weight off your shoulder for next season? Yeah, exactly. Now it's uh, it's been a little bit of a tough year when when you had to draft and uh, and much much scouts looking you and. Uh, so, I mean, as you said, it's everything is so over, and you we can do that that you do that. So, I mean, uh, I think it's going to be a, a great season now. So, I'm yeah. As as you've probably heard, I think from from most people now, um, there's a, there's like a, a I guess a loving term in Anaheim referring to as Swedenheim with a lot of the the Swedes who are playing in Anaheim currently, of course, for Carver Kell, Jakob Silverberg, Jakob Larson, Hampus Lindholm. Um, have you talked to any of those guys, or do you, you know have they they helped you kind of in this transition coming over and, and being part of the organization? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's always nice to have have the Swedes, and uh, I heard that Anaheim also likes like the Swedes. So, I mean. Uh, it's it's good comfortable to have have them in the in the team also and I know I know them both a little bit uh, I I think they have the the same agent as me also so I mean uh, that's that's good. And then uh, I got to talk to you I I know it was a, it was a tough game in the final with the World Juniors but I've always wondered what that experience was like being able to represent your country in, in such a celebrated tournament I mean. Like I said, I know it wasn't you know the outcome you hoped for, but what was that like being on the world stage? Yeah, I mean it's a really nice nice experience, and it's so big when it's in the North America. I mean, uh, you have always looked looking there when you was a kid back home in Sweden on the 
the games always been like one o'clock on the night. I mean, uh, it's a it was a really really good experience, and but uh, it was tough to to lose the finals. But uh, it was very nice to to represent your your team and your the Swedes the Sweden. So yeah. I mean, the, the Swedes are taking over the NHL, uh, Isaac. I know that, you know, Victor Hedman just winning the Norris Trophy, and then uh, everyone ta- everyone knows Eric Carlson. I mean, I mean is that is that like a, that's a huge deal for you guys, right? That's a huge deal for the country. Yeah, I mean, I think the Swedes are are good to to represent the the players, and uh, you 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 get much talent from Sweden. I mean, uh, I think they are really good to. To, to do the tweets really good and skilled and good at skates. I mean, uh, of course, you, you have looked up to, to as you said, Victor Hedman and Ray Carlson and, and these guys. I mean, uh, it's just, just fun and, uh, and they are all the tweets. And, and, and the last thing we'll close out here is a little bit of shift away from hockey, but uh, are, you, are you taking in any of the World Cup? Are you watching Sweden and, and Group F and how they're performing? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sweden always have... Uh, have a good uh, good team at the World Cup, and uh, I watched it watched it uh, when they won uh, won the now also and had an amazing team and uh, I mean uh, hopefully uh, one day I will be there and that's that's my dream also. All right, perfect, Isaac. Well, well, thank you so much for taking time out of the celebration with your family and coming in the show. We we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, so I mean, I guess kind of a surprise interview having uh, the Ducks' first round draft pick Isaac Lindstrom on the show. Uh, like I said to, to him before he left, it was really great for us to be able to get him on. He, he took some time out of celebrating with his family uh, to come on the show. I mean, that was great. A little bit of a, a tough thing getting him on the show in the middle of the show, uh, but fun nonetheless. No, that was awesome. I, I thought it was great that he wanted to even pop on to, to this little podcast, right? He was just like, that's cool. I'll come on the show. So uh, that's awesome, man. I really appreciated that he was able to make it on. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll spread the word, right, when he gets in and, and starts talking to all his fellow Swedes. We can get some more some more Ducks <laughs> players on through him. It's a, a little bit hopeful. But, I mean, hey, it's been great so far. We've, we've had some different guys on. It was great to, to get them on. Uh, again, for anybody listening um, live in right now in the show, thank you for, for sticking with us there for a bit when we tried to get uh, – things up there and a little bit of hectic and getting him into into the call so for everybody listening after we won't actually hear this because we're going to edit this out but uh let, let's move on now let's let's move on to the multitude of topics that we have of everything that's kind of been going around the nhl and the ducks so what do you want to start on i mean we got we've got endless amounts of stuff to talk about today it's gonna be a long one uh that's all good man let's let's start with the bob murray article put together by uh Eric Stevens, who's now left the register and it went to the Athletics. So if you guys don't have an Athletics subscription, oh my God, you've waited too long. But now you have every reason to jump in because now it's massive Ducks coverage with him in there. And then uh, Josh Cooper's in there as well. Um, who am I forgetting? There's another writer that just went in to write Ducks stuff. Yeah, Lisa Dillman's in there. So you got some great writers representing Anaheim. So go get the athletic subscription and uh, you can check out this Bob Murray article that we can talk about right now. Uh, Bob got into contract situations with, uh, with players that he, you know, looking ahead when he's talking about John Gibson. Um, and he's also talking about Henrique. Um, and he's also talking about guys right now, you know, Nick Ritchie, Andre Kasha, Brandon Montour, but there was something in there, Eddie. And 
it kind of seemed like Bob was maybe frustrated. Yeah. Um, trying to make things happen here and there with a player. Who do you think he was talking about? Trying to make things happen, trying to make changes to this team, but it's been a little bit more difficult than I thought. Uh, who could he possibly be talking about moving? I, I mean, the, the quote that sticks out for me was when he said, I think the players better look in the mirror pretty quick. Let's put it this way. Come September, I'm starting with a real hard look at the leadership group, and we'll work from that. I think he's calling out, you know, Getzlaff, Perry, Ryan Kessler. Uh, maybe Ryan Kessler not so much, obviously, with the injuries, but I think he's directly calling out Ryan Getzlaff and maybe a little bit more so in Corey Perry because he also did call out Corey Perry and how he has to change his game at the exit interviews. I feel like Perry is the brunt of his frustration right now, and it kind of shows in some of the comments that he had uh, in this interview with Eric Stevens. It almost seems like he's been trying to move him. Yeah. And it just hasn't happened. And he's, you know, honestly, it's a, it's it's got to go through two doors. It's got to go through the first door to Corey Perry. And Perry has to go, yeah, I'm willing to move. And I'm willing to move there. Like, he's he's got to be okay with the trade. Yeah. And then, uh, secondly, Bob's got to find a buyer. Who's going to buy this gigantic contract? Like, that's one of the crazy things for me is he's going to have to take probably the short end of the stick in the short term. Um, and maybe hope to get like a prospect or something down the line, but you're not going to get an instant um, impact, I think, in a trade with Corey Perry. You're mostly just offloading salary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and again, uh, talk, touching on the Corey Perry stuff, uh, Murray in the same article said it wouldn't be bad to have some change, but it's turning out to be harder than I thought. And again, I mean, when you look at the potential of, of who you can move out and really change some things. The only ones that would be difficult are moving Ryan Getzlaff, Corey Perry, and Ryan Kessler. I mean, maybe you can make an argument for Andrew Cogliano, but why would they move him after just signing him? It really looks like it's coming down to Corey Perry when you take not just this article into consideration, but things that he said at the end of the season. It really looks like he's trying to move him. And he also said that you know, with teams waiting on John Tavares and, and John Carlson and uh, Ilya Kovalchuk that there's lots of talk but nothing's really happening because they're waiting for those dominoes to fall well we've now seen Kovalchuk is in LA Carlson just signed an 8x8 earlier um, this afternoon and now we're all just waiting on John Tavares and I think once that last pillar falls not necessarily teams are going to be knocking on the door for Corey Perry but I think it'll be a little bit easier to move him and, and if he's really pushing hard I mean I don't know if I'm, I'm going to go as far as saying he's going to not be a duck come the start of next season but it really does look like you said that he's he's kind of pushing his way out yeah, I don't think you can blame Getz. Um, I mean, if you're talking about off-ice stuff, maybe there's stuff going on in that locker room. Maybe it's too clicky. There's, you know, who knows? I don't know what's going on in that locker room. Um, so if it's about Getzloff, it can't be about his on-ice play. That guy's been a beast, and he was injured and still put up, you know, insane numbers last season. Um, looking at Ryan Kessler, we all know what he's gone through. We've the extensive uh, media coverage about his hip surgery, learning how to skate properly, learning how to walk properly again. Um, all that stuff that uh, – oh, that's what we could touch on too. All the stuff about him maybe not playing next season thrown out there by Elliot Friedman. Yeah. Bob Murray didn't like that no. at all. He, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he said like, he's fishing. Yeah. Yeah, he was not happy. happy with that comment whatsoever. But in that same article, he wouldn't confirm or deny, right? He wouldn't say like that's not a complete uh, option or it's it's not something we're looking at. He was kind of mum on it. You know, he kind of wants to let Kessler take his own conditioning and see what happens, I'm sure, and let the doctors decide. But uh, at the end of the day, all signs point to Corey Perry. I, I can't yeah. see where else. Um, yeah. 
I mean, maybe you can move Silverberg to make to make the deal more interesting and give somebody a, you know a worthy you know middle six winger. I mean, he's never going to play a top line role. He's just not that guy. But he's a guy who can put in twenty to twenty five goals a, a year, right? Um, with a, with uh, you know proper line mates and maybe some power play time. But um, I don't see he could be looking at anybody else. Yeah, I mean, if you want to like go as far as, as as major changes, I mean, if you do end up being able to move out Corey Perry, you're probably gonna have to retain some salary. So let's say you clear about six million off, and you, you bring in some some minor assets back, some some younger guys, maybe that you can add into your your bottom six or God forbid your top nine later on down the road. Then maybe that cap space opens up the room to go out and, and maybe go after a guy like Jeff Skinner or Wayne Simmons or Max Pacioretty and, and then, you know, again, Silverberg might be a guy who would also be part of a deal like that anyway. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it really does seem seem like Corey Perry, and, and if the Ducks are going to make any major changes, it, it, it kind of surrounds around him or packaging Jakob Silverberg for a different forward. The, 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 the best quote by far before we move on from this, uh, again, when Bob Murray was talking about Elliot Friedman, he said, as far as Elliot goes, keep throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what hits. So <laughs> he's not happy. I mean, we've seen Bob Murray, especially lately and with, with articles in The Athletic, be a little bit more candid. But it's, it's really funny seeing this side of him. And, like, cause this is the type of guy you kind of expect him to be. And now we actually get it, like, kind of confirmed with some of the stuff he's saying. Really doesn't like the speculation and, and stuff. I mean, I think it was, was it Jimmy Murphy who said that Hampus Lindholm wasn't going to sign and then Bob Murray came out and basically said that's horse shit. And oh like, yeah. yeah, no. And Travis so, Yost got in there with him too on Twitter. They, it was a yeah. Twitter war. Yeah. yeah so, so that's the it, real side of Bob Murray. So, <laughs> and that's what we're going to get from Eric Stevens now. I'm so stoked on the coverage. Oh, I, yeah. I know. I well, it, let's like I mean, let's talk about that a bit. Let's talk about the the athletic LA and what it not only means for for Ducks coverage, but just for people like me who has already subscribed to The Athletic before, and now you're getting all this Ducks content coming out. No, it's amazing. It's, I mean, I know that um, people were kind of critical of Eric Stevens and his writings with the Orange County Register, but you have to understand, like, he can only say so much in his articles, and he's required to do certain things for the Register. Um, now, The Athletic is just going to give him an open forum to say whatever he wants to cover, and he can be critical. So I think we're going to get a lot more content, a lot more juicier things coming out of Anaheim, and we're and we're really going to see you know what true Ducks coverage looks like. Yeah, oh, I mean they've been great so far, and you know Eric Stevens has been. I think he's only Ducks when when he's at the Athletic, but I know Josh Cooper and Lee Stillman do Kings and Ducks. Uh, but even then, they've, they've been putting out some very good Ducks articles. I mean, I expected mostly Kings stuff because I that I, from my limited knowledge, that's what they've covered mostly before. But Josh Cooper's put out some great Ducks articles. Lisa Delman's put out a couple great Ducks articles. And, and having three dedicated writers who are going to consistently put out content. And, and then, of course, Eric Stevens is going to be the spearhead to that where, where his content's only going to be Ducks stuff. I mean, that's great. I, I've loved everything that they put out so far. Uh, I, I know we're working on hopefully having a couple of them on the show. Uh, we're in the works on that, so hopefully that can work out. We can kind of pick their brains about that decision and everything down the road. But it's been excellent um, just reading the articles that they've had so far. And, and now my like I can use my subscription that much more, and it's worth – I mean, it was already worth it before. But now it's like I can actually read articles kind of on a consistent basis about the Ducks. No, for sure. I mean, I – I used to go to Yahoo all the time because I like yeah. some of uh, Lambert's stuff and Wyshynski. But now that Wyshynski's over at ESPN, I kind of just follow him there. And then it's The Athletic. And that's, I mean, 
kind of it. I go to Sportsnet for some things. But, I mean, like, when I, when I, if I ever want to catch, like, a, a Dmitry Filipovich article or something like that, well, you know, he goes, he does deep dives into analytics and those things, so I like that. But, I mean, the athletic's the place to be. Um, kind of shifting gears back, Eddie, I got to ask you. So, in the crazy world that you and I are fabricating here, and Bob Murray's able to move a Corey Perry, and to be honest, you can't package that guy with a Nick Ritchie. I mean, you can't get rid of two things that are underperforming and get back this this magical piece. Yeah. So the idea that um, that Jakob Silverberg would be the per- uh, the person that's packaged in there makes a lot of sense. So with that hole created, let's say they get back some minor assets, picks, and maybe a couple of prospects or whatever that turns out to be, um, maybe a bottom six roster player, or maybe you know they trade a bad contract that's short term, whatever. Looking at the higher end of players. And I know that a couple of them or one of them at least has a no move clause, but Pacioretty, Wayne Simmons, Jeff Skinner, and then Artemi Panera is the one that's kind of popped up on radar recently about him. And uh, the, the blue jackets not really seeing eye to eye. Right. I mean, they're not, they're not putting together any sort of extension. Um, who do you think is most likely? And then who would you rather have? So give the one, if, if we had to pick this fantasy world together, yeah, you know, give me an answer for each. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's tough. Um, I agree with the fact that you know Perry would be a separate deal, and then to get any one of these guys, you, you know, I'm not going to say it's not contingent on Perry getting moved. If if he does or he doesn't, I think you still have to package Silverberg for some cap relief, and I think that's a very likely option because Silverberg is a UFA at the end of the next season. He's likely going to get some sort of raise. So if you look at these four guys, I mean, I think the one everybody would want would be Artemi Panarin. Uh, but the, the price for him would be insane. He also has to sign a deal at the the end of next season, which is going to be a very pricey deal, probably around seven eight million at least, because he's an eighty point guy. Um, so you'd be paying for about one season of Artemi Panarin, and what does that end up being worth? Well, I, I mean, it all depends. I mean, you know, Columbus isn't in the best place for leverage at this point. You know, you're you're selling a rental for one season, and you, know, you might not get back as, as much in return. So if the Ducks could swing that package to Silverberg and, and some picks of prospects around that, depending on what it is, and maybe bring in, if you really want, a year of Artemi Panera and you think that's what's going to get you over the hump, uh, that could be an option. But I think the Ducks, their, their main need is goal scoring. I think we all can agree on that. And that's and you look at these, la- these last three guys coming up, Patch Reddy's, I think, a five-time 30-goal scorer. Skinner and Simmons always hit around 20. I, I think those three guys are what they should be looking at. Um, my personal favorite, which probably won't go down well with a lot of people, is actually Wayne Simmons. I, I think he's almost exactly what, what the Ducks need and won't cost as much likely as, as a guy like Max Pacioretty would. Uh, Simmons is great on the power play. He essentially does what Corey Perry used to do on the power play where he goes to the front of the net, wreaks havoc, and he's one of the best players in the league at doing that. And he gets a lot of power play goals because of that. So not only does he come in and help your top six scoring in general, but he comes in and helps your power play scoring. Uh, and is a real threat there. Uh, but Patrick and Skinner are no slouches either. I mean, Patrick was rumored to be something that was going down at the deadline and ended up not happening. Uh, but he's a guy that comes in, you slot in right on that uh, either that top line with Brian Getzloff and Ricardo Cal, maybe, or you slot him down on, on a line if Kessler's there or if Henrik's there. I mean, there's a lot of options. So that's a guy you could bring in. And then Jeff Skinner. Uh, I mean, Carolina already made the biggest trade of the offseason so far. Uh, and Skinner and Falk are still guys that could be rumored to be moved out there. Um, and Skinner, I think he carries the biggest cap hit of the 
the two, if you compare him with Pat Reddy and, and Simmons, I think he's at about just over five. So that one is a little bit harder to get done. Uh, but I think he also has term. I think he's got about two years left. So, you know, that, that, that it, it's tough. I mean, I can make a case for all of them, honestly. So I'm not rambling here. I'd probably pick Wayne Simmons. So look, I looked at, I went looked at Jeff Skinner because that's the guy that I would want to have. He's He's got one more year. He also has a no-move clause. His cap hits a 5.725. He's 26 years old. Um, I think he would deliver a huge offensive uh uh, like I don't know how you want to put that. He's just what's needed in Anaheim. Like he yeah. just would bring that to the Ducks, which yeah, what we need. Injection of, of offense, right? Into, That's you know, the word. Injection, exactly. and so. offensive injection. So he had 24 goals last season, 49 points, 37 uh, goals the season before that, 63 points. We know he could put the puck in the back of the net. And I think honestly, if he's going to be playing top line minutes, maybe you're going to see that go up. Yeah. So and playing with Getzloff and this kid's still young. Um, I think Panarin's going to want too much money in the long term. I think that'll be tough to get done. Wayne Simmons has got some miles on him. And uh, I don't like the Habs. I don't care if Patrick is American. <laughs> you keep, keep your adopted Canadian. No, I'm kidding. He's a great player. And obviously, I think he's going to be too expensive as well. Yeah, I, I think that that's realistic. I mean, Skinner is the most expensive one right now. And I, honestly, uh, I'd have to double check. I actually think all four of these guys are UFAs at the end of next season. Because um, I believe Patrick Reddy's deal is up. And O. Simmons' deal, I believe, is up to, and Skinner is a UFA, and then, of course, Panarin. So it makes it interesting anyway. You bring in any of these guys that could could be a rental if you can't afford to re-sign them. You know Simmons is going to get a raise. You know Patch Reddy is. Skinner, maybe. Panarin, for sure. So it's, it's I think it's tough for the Ducks to really work that out. We'll have to see. Uh, one guy that they were rumored to be on has now gone to the Florida Panthers, and what turned out to be a, a bigger mess than we all expected was Mike Hoffman leaving the Ottawa Senators for the San Jose Sharks and then immediately being flipped from the San Jose Sharks to the Florida Panthers to end the dramatic mess that was uh, Mike Hoffman's fiance apparently harassing Eric Carlson's wife. I mean, what a tire fire in Ottawa right now. Uh, she's she's a horrible human being if what's said is true, yeah. um, which was been backed by several other of the wives and girlfriends from other Ottawa Senators players that it, it's, yeah, it seems totally likely she would say all those things. I don't want to get too much into that, but what I do want to touch on is now that all this has happened and Mike Hoffman's got this fiance or girlfriend that has all this baggage. Um, and it, it's hard for for me to believe that he knew nothing of it. So what kind of cancer does that bring into a locker room at the next place he goes? I was stoked that he was gone on the Ducks' radar. Now I'm glad they didn't, they didn't pick him up just because of what that does to a locker room totally affects on-ice stuff and causes all kinds of problems, unwanted media attention. So I don't think he's, <laughs> he's – he has one more year left on his contract. I'm very curious to see what happens to Mike Hoffman after next season. I mean, especially if he doesn't split from this chick. Yeah, I, I mean, they knew about this. That's the thing. It's not like it just came up. Like The rumors came out like they knew about this all year. And they had off yeah, the but- deadline. And they didn't trade him. And now they got nothing for him. They literally got Bodker, uh, Dow- Doherty or whatever, and, and a pick. And then they ended up, I think, trading one of those picks. Uh, I don't know. They didn't get anything. San Jose ended up getting more from Mike Hoffman than Ottawa got from Mike Hoffman, which is insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, you deal him at the deadline if you got good offers. You know, Dorian's excuse was they liked the chemistry he had with Duchesne. Well, if you knew that this was going on, 
and you knew eventually down the road his his excuse the other day was that we couldn't have this happening in our dressing room. Well, what changed? I mean, this was all still going on. Now Anderson wants out. Carlson probably still wants out. I don't see how you hold on to Duchesne. They kept the fourth overall pick, and now Colorado owns their first-round pick next year. I mean, we all made fun of the Oilers for a long time because of the mess that was going on there, Vancouver for a bit, but this is worse than all of them, I think. This is just insane, the stuff that's happening there. It's awful, man. Um, they need to do something. I, they, I, I, know, I don't think it's easy to change this. It's, it's not going to be overnight. But um, I think that management, that management team needs to be fired. Um, the, there was the assistant, was the assistant general manager, or another person got in trouble for sexually yeah, harassing a shuttle driver. Manager, yeah. So he's in trouble. Then you have this stuff with the players. Um, you have Melnick talking about, you know, the way he runs this business is like kind of like running a grocery store or a restaurant, um, and then like saying he's going to move the team like before their outdoor game. There's so much drama with the Ottawa Senators, and I don't think anyone wants to play there anymore. I, I know Craig Anderson, the goaltender, um, rumors of him going to the Islanders. I can't blame him now that Trotz is there with Lou Lamorello, and if they're able to get um, Tavares signed, I mean, things could turn around there. But I don't know, man. If you're Ottawa, you got to burn it down and start over somewhere because, I mean, this is terrible. Yeah, I don't know what they do. I mean, Brady Tuchuk is now their centerpiece in that organization. Uh, they've got some good prospects in Colin White and Thomas Shabbat. But, it, I mean, it's yeah, it's a mess. And I don't want to turn this into a Ottawa Senators or rip on the Ottawa Senators. Nah, let's, let's move on so back to Ducks stuff. But, but, yeah, it, it's insane. So, so we look at the next topic we have lined up here. The cap is now actually up to $79.5 million. That provides the Ducks a little bit more room to get uh, Montour, Richie Cash just signed, maybe bring in some from free agents, uh, possibly work that into acquiring a player through trade. Uh, but I think a lot of teams are happy. We saw uh, Murray's comments in Eric Stevens' article that he said a lot of GMs are happy and surprised that the cap has gone up that much. I heard that some were kind of irritated that it didn't go all the way up as high as yeah. it go because players didn't want to use the inflator to take more money out of their checks. I think they're mad because they knew it could have gone up more. So then, like when you're like, "Oh yeah, we're happy. It's up to seventy nine and a half." But then you, it's it's like. You find, like you say, you you find out your paycheck went up, so you're happy. But then you're like, oh well, it could have gone up to this, but these guys did that, and you're like, oh well, now I want, you know, we could have had that. So I think that's why they're upset. But I think they're all happy that it's up and it's up to seventy nine and a half. I mean, stop giving out gigantic contracts to, yeah. to crappy players on your roster and then giving them no move clauses. I'm not talking to you or anything, Bob Murray. Just saying. Um, <laughs> I mean, you it gives the Ducks Starbucks and let it give them a piece of your mind. Oh yeah, I'll be actually. I mean, I would go the other way with it. I'm I'm the kind of guy if that's good, if that's the case, I'm going to see him again. I gotta I gotta promote myself as being a uh, you know part of his vision and, and try to you know work my way into like an assistant like junior GM uh, role. AGM. So yeah, yeah. So figure that out. <laughs> There's an assistant uh, coaching hole now. You can get in there. Oh yeah, Steve Canal Walchuk got fired. Uh, so there's a revolving door um, <laughs> with assistant coaches in Anaheim. I mean, looking at that, I guess you got to kind of point to the power play fizzling out, right? Yeah. Um, it didn't uh, do what Carlisle it was supposed being to. on the hot seat and just him on the hot seat. I mean, I don't think yeah. this was – Connor Walchuk, I don't think it was a Randy Carlisle hiring because he was already there and they brought him in after um, Paul McLean was gone. And then that didn't work out. So I'm, and, and now you've just got pretty much all of uh, Dallas Eakins' guys just surrounding – 
uh, Randy Carlisle. So it's like, well, I, I mean, it, the writing's on the wall. If he doesn't do well, and I think he has to do extremely well for him to come back, they'll just be like, yeah, we're not bringing you back. You know, the same thing that, uh, I, I mean, not the same thing, but essentially what happened to Barry Trouts in Washington where his contract was up, they didn't want to pay it, so they let him walk. I mean, the, the Ducks don't have to worry about firing him necessarily next year. They can just let him go because his contract's up. Yeah, and I don't think they're, I, I think they're going to. There was some some rumor about Barry Trotz coming to Anaheim, and I was like, you guys are high. I don't know what you're smoking, but the Ducks aren't going to give a guy $5 million to coach this team. Yeah. <laughs> just not going to happen. Um, it'd be great if he could come over here, but he didn't have any intent on going there. I, he kind of felt like he knew where he was going before the season was over. Um, but, yeah, I, I really feel like, you know, the offense was lacking. Um and honestly, the special teams just kind of took a huge dip, right? I mean, from what they were being number one when, uh, oh my gosh, who when who am I thinking of? I can't think of his name right now. This is embarrassing. But um, when Bruce Boudreau was here, right? Yeah. We had the first overall power play, first overall penalty kill. They were like one and yeah, one. It was Bruce Boudreau and uh, was it? Well, no, it was Paul McLean. So was it? Yeah, Bruce Paul McLean. Paul Damn it, yeah. that was the name I was trying to fish, dude. Yeah. I'm getting old. Yeah. Um, you might have to cut that out of the uh, the pre-recorded version of this no, show. No, 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 that's staying in. <laughs> that's staying in. We're cutting out the dead air, and that's it. Watch the old man struggle for words. Everybody um, who's listening to this now is going to be like, cut out what? Because it's already going to be cut out. <laughs> it's already in. So I don't know what they're going to do here. Um, I, I don't really feel like they're going to go outside. I mean, they, they recently brought in Steve Wilford. Um, it kind of makes sense that uh, they're going to go ahead and go pick from the farm again, right? I mean, where else are they going to look to? That's kind of what they're going to do, Yeah, I would think. I think so. I mean, I, I think Dallas Eakins is the next guy. I mean, you, it just seems logical. You gave him a contract extension. You brought up some of his guys up to the NHL. Manny Carlisle's contract is expiring. I, I, I mean, we've talked about different guys they could bring in every now and then. And, of course, some coaches will get fired probably next season, and those names will come up in discussion. But I think they really want to go with the hiring from within. They know what they have in Dallas Eakins, and I think they're just going to give that a shot before they go and look elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, maybe even Mark Morrison, right? Because he was brought yeah. on with uh, Gunnar Walchuk, too. So or it makes sense, Scotty, maybe. Uh, Scotty Niedermeyer rumors, once again, <laughs> will surface for people. Oh, of course. Team of Solani or something. So yeah, Nothing against yeah, either you know. of them, but we get those every time the Ducks coach it comes into question that it, you know Scotty Niedermeyer would be a great coach when he's had no experience. Or they'll say Timo Solani can be a coach when I don't think he's had any experience. Not to say he would do I don't know, man. Timu, Timu loves his yacht with his family. Yeah, I know. Golfing, ten, playing tennis. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. he does not want to hop behind an NHL bench and have that kind of stress. His hair will fall nah. pretty quick. Mark Morrison will probably be the guy because he's already an assistant coach. So, And it was his first season last season. And now with Kanal Walchuk gone, he's probably going to take the reins over. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, if, if Randy has a bad year, I mean, maybe Dallas Eakins does come up. But, well, that's yeah. that remains to be seen. Um, let's get to I, – I, we have to get to the stupid video, the promotional video the Ducks did before we hop into the last little bit of stuff around the NHL. Um, what – what the hell? I was expecting a jersey reveal. <laughs> Everybody was. I, I, I didn't – why do I care about a four-minute video about the schedule? And it, it was the worst marketed idea the Ducks have done in a long time. And they've done some pretty bad stuff. Uh, this whole thing, I was like, maybe if I wait through the whole video, that at the very end they're going to be like, <laughs> don't you wait for this two-part over two-day video. 
Yeah. We're gonna go, we're gonna go ahead and show you the third jersey that you know Athletics has put out what they think it's gonna be with the Ducks old school logo on there. And I was like, I need to buy one as soon as I get paid. I want to get one of those. And you know, because if people don't know, I've been out of work and I just started working again. So my first check, I was like, oh, I want to get I want to get that jersey. So and no, I was let down in spectacular fashion by this piece of crap video the Ducks put together. I, I don't know, man. I know I ranted way too long here on this. What did you think about it? Oh, I was in the same boat. But I mean, basically, the Twitter mentions were people were on our side like that, saying the same thing. Like this is a joke. Like you tease this. Like you know, right when other teams were saying, "Oh, we're going to be releasing our third jerseys on draft day," and then they put up this video like close enough, and they're like, "Something big's coming," and then they released the schedule and the corniest way possible and the other comments and there were people actually saying it's funny and it's like mm, not really I mean the funniest part was when they had that EA Sports commercial like yeah it's a funny commercial acting like it's back in the back in 93 and you're like oh it's cool and then, but then Guy Hebert comes on and says like that's the quacks and you're like oh my god like no, Guy, yeah. come on man uh, come on yeah. Guy I love you dude but you don't need to you don't need to do this you don't need to do it yeah I mean, uh, Ken French comes on. I, I know it wasn't referring to this, but his first quote, he says, "Are we really doing this?" And I paused, and I was like, are, "I was like, are we really doing this? Like, are we? Is this really happening right now? Are they really doing a four-minute video on releasing the schedule?" I mean, what's her name? Linda Cohn or whatever was that? Was that Laura? Yeah, Cohn? yeah, yeah. Linda Cohn. She, she wasn't even yeah, looking at the right great. camera the whole time. I know she's great though. At, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. No, no, I'm not saying she's bad, but they have her looking at the wrong camera the whole time. So she's just staring off into nowhere, and then like uh, I, I don't want to criticize her for too long, but yeah, I mean it's just awful. And then meanwhile, you've got Carolina releasing their pirate jerseys, and Arizona Coyotes are bringing the Kachinas back, and then which are cool. I do like those videos. jerseys, man. I do like those. Well, which ones? The Kachinas. I like okay. those. I mean, the okay. Carolina jerseys. Garbage. I thought you were saying you liked the Carolina Pirate jerseys because I had people saying they liked it. Okay, the colors, cool. The logo, dumb. Awful. Yeah. I mean, there's so it's many awful. ways you could have gone. Like, your team, you have a cool team name. You're the Hurricanes, and you do, like, I don't even I, – I know it. Like, I think it means something or something. Like, there's something meaning behind it, but it just doesn't work. Like, that vertical logo on the jersey, it just – doesn't look good and it's just red on black red on black there's like no like they need this some like white thrown in there or something and i mean it's not the worst ever but it's up there like it, it's creeping like top five top ten of worst third jerseys ever in my opinion and then the dude is pretty bad yeah and then everybody else like coyotes just bring the kachinas back which are arguably one of the best jerseys of all time and everybody's like well what do we do now like how are we gonna how are we gonna top that i mean they bring back yeah like i said Arguably the best jerseys of all time. You're like, ah, well, we're screwed. Ducks are like, ah, we should have probably put that out in our video. Yeah, no, maybe they should have done that, right? Maybe they should have figured that out. But I don't know, man. Um, that's staying on the topic. The 25th anniversary logo. How do you how do you stand on that, man? Where do you feel with that? <laughs> so there's a, this is again. This is like the same thing as the video. Like some like a lot, a lot of people, maybe not some, a lot of people hate the logo. The 21st, 25th anniversary logo. A lot of people are saying it looks like a pregnant five. Uh, I'm, I don't really care. It's a patch. You're going to see it every now and then. They're going to be proting it this season, and that's it. I mean, it'd be worse if, like, the logo was awful. Like, that was the general logo for the team or something. It was just awful. But I don't really care. It's not that bad. So it's, it's like I'm, like, indifferent on it. I'm not going to say, like, I love it, but I also don't hate it as much as some people hate it. 
I think people are more just mad at how ridiculous the video was, and now they're like just raging on everything. They're just they're just inherently mad at everything that the Ducks put out now. Yes, they've been uh, listening to the show and listening to me too much. I'm putting all that uh, negative vibes into uh, Ducks fans. Apparently, um, I mean, it's some of my friends don't even realize I like the team. It's my favorite team. <laughs> with how much I <laughs> criticize sometimes. I mean, a lot of it's you know just for fun, but I mean, for real, dude, that that video was so disappointing. That is just awful. And then the logo was kind of like whatever. It's like yeah, whatever. It's a logo. I mean, that's it's whatever. And it's going to be on the new jersey, and if it has the old logo, then it kind of you know brings it all together, I guess. So yeah. it is what it is, man. We're stuck with this marketing team for the uh, foreseeable future and their horrible Twitter account as well. Um, let's get on to the last couple of things here. We're running a bit long. But um, so much to cover. Our uh, neighbors, about 30 miles away, just got Ilya Kovalchuk. Three years, six mil per. Deal can't be signed till July 1st. How do you feel about this one, man? Um, 35 years old, hasn't been in the league in a few years. I think that's a real high risk on a guy. Giving him three, I would have given him one and said, show me that you can still skate in this league and score in this league before I pop you with, you know, Eighteen million dollars. Yeah, I mean it's 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 completely identical to the Leafs paid Patrick Marlowe. I thought that was dumb at the time, but he actually had a good season there. But I mean, down the road, it's going to look bad. You know, this season it could look good. He could go out and score thirty. I saw an article today saying like how his shooting percentage was dipping until he left. Like it was like every year it was getting worse. So we'll see if he can come back in and play in a faster league and do what he did. I mean, he essentially just stood in one spot and relied on the accuracy of his shot. To, to get him 20, 30 goals. I don't know if he'll be able to do that. The Kings aren't necessarily a fast team either, so that's not really going to help things. But, I mean, this was just this was just crap news on that day. Like, I was sitting out at a, at a tournament, at a golf tournament, and I was like, you know, I, all I saw was Kovalchuk is he's signing. I was like, watch, it's the Kings. It's the Kings. And, he gets, and of course, it's Kovalchuk goes to the Kings. And then the, the team I worked for in the summer, Kiel Thomas, is a part of the Niagara Ice Dogs. And he was... Dipping, dipping down in the draft. Three picks before the Ducks go. I'm like, oh, he could fall right to us. And then I was like, who's picking up next at 51? It's the Kings. I'm like, watch. He's going to the Kings. Gets drafted by the Kings. Now I have to hate a kill Thomas. So it was like, boom, Kovalchuk. <laughs> and then it was like, sucker punch. A kill Thomas gets drafted to the LA Kings. So I was like, ah, oh, what a day. I mean, he, yeah, I, I don't think he makes them that much better. I mean, if he comes down and scores 30 goals, I'm sure. But I think there's... Maybe some different averages they could have gone down. Maybe looked at like James Van Riemsdyk or something for around the same money with a little bit more term. And they could have brought him in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he pulled like the reverse LeBron. Like, he, he lost in the finals to the LA Kings with the New Jersey Devils, left the league, and then comes back and is like, hey, I'm joining the team I lost to. Or, no, sorry, Kevin Durant. He pulled the reverse Kevin Durant. And was like, hey, yeah, I'm uh, joining the team that I lost to in the finals. So, I don't know. I mean, he's going to be playing with Kopitar, who had a hell of a year last season, right? So you know he's going to get time with him. And Kopi's a beast. So maybe they'll mesh, and that'll be good for the Kings. I mean, obviously, he's a Ducks fan. I hope that's not the case. Um, And I hope he's not, you know, does what Marion Gabrick did in his first season, right? I mean, that was awful for Ducks fans, too. So maybe it'll work out. I mean, high risk and potentially a high reward, in my opinion. I wouldn't have paid the guy that much for that long. I would have given him a one-year deal, probably at six mil and said, show me. But uh, the Kings pick him up. And then there's rumors about John Tavares going oh, to San Jose. And I was, was like, just going to bring it up. It's God. like, if that happens, like, how do you sit by and do nothing if you're Bob Murray? You can't. 
Like, well, I mean, he, you know, he's got to ask permission to do something at this point with all the money he's got locked uh, up with guys in the yeah. moon closet. I mean, I even said that when Hoffman got traded there before he obviously got flipped, I was like, oh, now they've got Kane, they added Hoffman, like they're, you know, they're going to bring back Thornton probably. They're going to be a dangerous team to play against. And then they obviously swapped him, but to, to make room to bring in John Tavares, and it's like, man, if he goes there, like. You've got the Sharks with John Tavares and Evander Kane locked up. You've got the Kings now with Kovalchuk, so they're going to try and work out their goal scoring there. And then you've got Vegas coming back, possibly Vegas adding Eric Carlson. Oh, uh, God, yeah, make the, the Pacific Arizona Division harder, please. Yeah, you got the Arizona Coyotes adding Alex Galchenyuk, who's arguably better than Max Domi. Uh, you've got some younger guys coming up for them. Dylan Strom will probably be up for them. You've got Calgary, who just made the big trade that we'll get to in a bit, adding Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. It's like all the Pacific Racing teams pretty much except for Vancouver and Edmonton are getting better. And you're just kind of sitting by like, yeah, well, we're okay. Well, Bobby's Bobby's taking his time, man. He and I have to meet next week, and i got to give him my opinion. So, um, But you're right. The division's just getting tougher. And, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Arizona... I mean, I was high on them going into next or to last season, and Antti Ranta gets injured, and they had just lost eleven games in a row, and it was closer than it sounded like. Some of those games were really tight, and they gave up goals in the last minute. Um, Louis Domingue was horrible for them, um, giving up a ton of goals in the third period. So Arizona, they were one of the better teams down the stretch, one of the top teams in, in the NHL uh, towards the end of the season, winning a ton of games and being ultra competitive. So them getting Galchenyuk, I mean, that's that's scary. That's going to be another team you have to worry about. And then you just said Carlson in Vegas. It's like, really? That team, I... They're in on uh, yeah. as well. He wasn't on the list from what I've read. It's it's Boston, and it's obviously the Islanders, and they were talking that's to the awesome. Sharks as well. So but they said that um, that Vegas is not on the list. So okay. And the Stars were in on there, too. And the Leafs, go figure. Yeah. Well, the Leafs are in every deal. Anytime someone says the Leafs are involved in something. No, it's, it's any guy from Toronto. So Stamkos, Tavares, and Drew Doughty. It's like, oh, yeah, he's going to want to go back and play at home. I mean, that's the only time I ever hear that argument is if it's Toronto. Yeah, he's going to go back and play for his hometown Maple Leafs. Like, no. <laughs> like, no, you don't hear about that about like anything else. It's because like, half the guys come from Toronto. So it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to want to go back and play for the Leafs. I, they probably don't. Yeah, they probably don't. <laughs> I mean, maybe Tavares wants to win, so maybe he'll 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 hop off the island because I mean they're not going to win in the short term. Know, it doesn't man. seem like. I don't know. They they were like winners of the draft. Who do they have stopping pucks? Nobody. But <laughs> Dude, they might as well play with nobody in net last season. It was horrible. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, let's let's move on. There's one thing I want to talk about that that got me riled up at the draft, um, and, and this always kind of gets me over the top is is people booing Gary Batman. I get it. It's a thing now. People like to do the thing, so they boo him and whatnot. But there's a time and a place for that. And I've got like a little 20-second clip that we'll play here in a second uh, of when they booed him. I think at the worst time I've ever seen fans boo him. He comes out. They don't really hear him out. And he's trying to do a tribute for the Humboldt Broncos. And fans are booing. Uh, and I'll play it now so you, can, so you can understand what I'm talking about. In 2015, the National High... Whoa, whoa. Whoa. We have some important business to do relative to Humboldt. Let's do that, and then you can boo me all night, okay? But I do appreciate your enthusiastic welcome. In 2015... 
So he shuts them down real quick. Like, he's like, you can boo me after, but let's kind of talk about something that's important. It's like, why are Dallas fans booing Gary Bettman? Like, really? What is what has Gary Bettman ever done to harm Dallas Stars fans? And it, sure, let's, even if we take it out of the equation, say he did something ridiculous, Dallas franchise, like, tanked because of something he did. Bad timing. He, I mean, there's he gave him a free Stanley Cup. They yeah. they allowed the foot decrease. Come on, there's there's a like you. It's not even like they can be like, oh, we didn't know he was going to talk about. It. There's a giant sign like with the logo for the humble Broncos, light it up behind him when he's about to talk about this, and they all just start booing. And then he like then they realize like, oh, you know, we're, maybe we're re- booing at a wrong time. He's like, yeah, you can boo me after. Then they start cheering. They're like, oh yeah, we can get him later. It's like, come on, man, like. I couldn't believe that. Like that's just ridiculous. That's taken to a whole new level. It's like really, like you now it's like a thing, and it's just so dumb. Like people just boom all the time. I get it. Whatever. It's Gary Batman. You want to dig into him and stuff, but you've got like you've got people who don't even know why they're booing him anymore because he's been there for so long. You got guys like probably like my age or even younger booing him, and it's like why are you booing him? Like what has he ever done to your team or whatever in your lifetime that you're like so upset about? I mean, it's just ridiculous. It, it, it's so annoying. And, like, yeah, sure, it's all funny games when, like, it's, it's through something that's not important. But when you start booing him when he's trying to make a tribute to the humble Broncos, it's completely classless. Uh, classless, yes. Um, booing Gary Bettman, I'm in, uh, very much in favor for. I think it's funny. Yeah. And I think that he – I think it's funny because he likes to be chirped now. He brings it on. Yeah. Um, but in that instance, I mean, there's just no excuse. It's like – yeah. Any no, other no time. timing, yeah. Like, come yeah, on. any other time. But I mean, I love when the, I love when Gary gets in on it, and uh, and they and he loves to be chirped now. So it's great. It's good. Uh, it's like one of the few good things about that guy is that he thinks it's funny now. But yeah, man, I'm with you. I thought that was total crap. They, you can't be doing that during a tribute. We all know the humble Bronco situation and what those families have had to endure, and it's it's awful. And with those teammates and those kids that survived have to endure. And then have to be brought in, and they do a tribute, and it's and people are booing. It's like ah, it's just a one time, just a one yeah. time. Well, I mean, last thing I want to talk about because we're getting long here. Uh, the the only big trade of the draft was a blockbuster uh, between Carolina and the Calgary Flames. Uh, Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm go to the Flames. Dougie Hamilton, uh, Michael Ferland, and Adam Fox go back to the Hurricanes. There's there's two layers here I want to dig into. I want to first talk about the trade and what you thought of the trade. And I don't know if you saw today people saying the reason that Dougie Hamilton was traded out of Calgary is be, and, and why he was also traded out of Boston is because he's like more of an intellectual, introverted guy. He's not like the bro hockey atmosphere, like hanging out with the boys, going to get beers or whatever. And that's why he was traded out. So I want to first talk about what you thought of the trade, though. Um, I thought it was pretty good for both teams. I mean, honestly, yeah. I did. I, I I think that that Furlan's a better player than people are giving him credit for. He's going to provide a, you know some good stuff over in Carolina. I, I don't think he's just a throw in. Um, and Elias Lindholm going over to Calgary. Thanks a lot, Carolina. I appreciate you guys sending over a guy who I think is an absolute stud and uh, putting him in our division yeah. for us to play against a bunch of times this year. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But Dougie Hamilton, man, he's a beast. That guy's yeah. a beast. Best player and, of the trade, yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. And Carolina's going to love that guy. And Noah Hannafin's just not him. He's yeah. just not. He's a step down. So, And not like he's three or four steps down. He's just a step down. He's not at that level. 
He's a second pairing guy. He's a three or four, not a one or two. But Dougie Hamilton is going to provide some uh, some great defense over there for Carolina and hopefully help out um, Scott Darling, who had just an awful season. (laughs) So maybe they could turn that around next year. And then now they're going to get uh, Sveshnikov, who they drafted. So they got a lot of good things to look forward to in Carolina. And if they could figure out the Jeff Skinner thing, even better for him. But I think this trade was pretty even. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, like I said, Dougie Hamilton is the best player uh, of this trade. And Carolina gets the best player of the deal. They also get Adam Fox, who's a very good prospect, had a good World Juniors with the U.S. And Michael Ferland, again, is an underrated guy. He's that, he's that Tom Wilson type of guy that you need on a team. He's a third-line forward, so I, and there's nothing wrong with that. And then you get Elias Lindholm, who is marginally better at this point than Michael Fairland in production-wise. I think down the road, Elias Lindholm is like a 50-60 point guy, maybe 70. If he does get put on a line with Monaghan and Goodrow, that could be very scary for, for any team playing the Pacific Division, like the Anaheim Ducks. So that's a little bit worrying. Um, and Noah Hannafin allows Calgary to go back to the pairing that was so successful and, and TJ Brody and, and uh, Giordano together and then you pair Hannafin with, with Travis Hamannick which I think is the perfect guy to pair him with it allows him to have a little bit more freedom while Hamannick goes out there and pretty much gives a shit out of anybody trying to take a run at Noah Hannafin so I, I yeah I think it's a good deal honestly I, there's a lot of people on both sides saying this was awful or you know Calgary fleeced Carolina or Carolina fleeced Calgary I think it was more even uh, than, than some people would give credit for. But the, the last part of this trade I want to talk about uh, was the why Dougie Hamilton was traded thing, talking about how you know there was issues in the dressing room because he isn't a guy that goes out and hangs out with the boys for beers. He's a guy that I think John Shannon was the one who tweeted out saying that he's more likely he's going to go to a museum other than Moxie's. Cam Robinson brought that up as well. I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, really, is that why you're going to trade a guy out? Because he doesn't want to go have beers with the boys? He'd rather go and do something else? Yeah, what a nerd. Yeah, I don't want that guy <laughs> on my team. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it wouldn't bug me to the point where I'm going to trade a guy. I mean, you don't have to be. Not everybody is P.K. Subban's personality, right? Um, it's just you're not going to get that with everybody. And even if he's not that way and he just likes to keep to himself and be the quiet guy and let, let his on-ice – uh, performances, you know, speak for themselves, and he just wants to do his own thing in the locker room. Who cares? I, I mean, there had to be something else going on in there. It, it just I mean, he had to piss off. It's twice Boston traded him as well, right? And, and he's too young to be traded like that. He's too good. Yeah, I, and I think it honestly is that. And and we, you love this this quote from Spitting Chicklets. I've talked to Dougie Hamilton a couple times. Not a big deal. I was, uh, he's been around, been around St. Catharines. He's a great guy. I mean, he, he's honestly a great guy. He's a nice guy, but I get it. I mean, he's a little, he's more of an intellectual guy. Doesn't really seem like the typical hockey player. You know what I mean? Like the like I said, the, the bro atmosphere. The the guys going out for beers. They're going out to clubs all the time, celebrating. He, he doesn't seem like that type of guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, he's been traded twice now. So obviously, there's there's some issue that teams have with him not being that type of guy. There shouldn't be, but obviously there is. I mean, you've been traded out of Boston, the team that drafted you, which was a surprising trade at the time when he got traded to Calgary in the first place. And we're like, well, why are they trading this guy? They're worse for wear from that trade still. Uh, there was rumors that Riley Smith was also a guy who was like that in Boston, was like Dougie Hamilton, and they traded him out as well. And now Calgary doesn't have him there. Guess who also gets moved out of Florida? 
Riley Smith. So I, maybe some teams just don't like having these guys in. It doesn't work well with the locker room. Not everybody is that type of personality. And you've got that one guy who's kind of odd. But I, I, I wouldn't mind it. If I was a GM of the team, I don't see why it's an issue. I mean, let the guy be who he wants to be. I mean, there's got to be something else, man. I feel like there's got there's something we're missing. Something we're not hearing. Just some dirt that's going around. And the people just go, oh, that's the reason why. I feel like it's got to be something else. Like, who cares if a guy doesn't want to go out and party? Whatever, don't hang out with him. Don't invite him. He doesn't care, obviously. He other he'd show up. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. And I mean, what we're running, we're running almost an hour forty now. So you want to want to wrap this up a bit? You got anything else left you want to touch on? No, um, I think that's it for us tonight. Thanks for the, everyone who's tuning in to the show live. I see people in the chat, pretty lively here. Earl, P, Neil, Chase is here. Um, if I missed you, I apologize. But thanks for popping in, Matthew. And uh, your old buddy from Bay Bolts popped in too, so that's awesome. Um, we have a, a bit of, a, of news coming out. I don't want to say it right now because I don't know when it's going to happen, but uh, Eddie and I are uh, going to be working together elsewhere as well, if that doesn't give it away already. Um, so we're going to be doing some things here coming up this summer, uh, probably very soon. So we'll, we'll definitely be blasting it out on this feed, and uh, you guys will have to stay tuned for that. But um, I don't. If I'm if I'm speaking too soon on there on this side before we wrap, is there a jersey available sometime this summer? Yeah. So I was gonna bring that that up. There there might be. So Cool Hockey obviously is gonna be sponsoring the Forever Mighty Three Stars when we get back in into the season, and they'll be gonna be giving away jerseys each month for that. But there is also the possibility that we might be doing a jersey giveaway this month um, when the third jerseys get released. Uh, they specifically just said in general third jerseys i i'm going to take that as when the ducks third jerseys get released i think that'd be the best time so stay tuned for that that might be something we have a jersey giveaway this summer um, we also will have another show coming up after july 1st uh, for free agency hopefully the ducks make some moves there so that'll probably be our next show uh, maybe there'll be some more things to talk about there we're working on having a couple more guests Hopefully, trying to get another uh, one of the Ducks drafted prospects from this draft on. We're working on, like I said earlier, maybe getting Lisa Dillman and Josh Cooper on if, if that works out with their schedule. And a couple or maybe Eric Stevens there. now that he's not with the register. Right, yeah. So we're working on some things here. I mean, it all comes down to, to schedule and timing for, for a lot of the people that we end up getting on. Um, again, want to thank Cam Robinson for taking the time. He was on a layover in Seattle and ended an interview with us. And, of course, Isaac Lindestrom, who was celebrating with family after getting drafted, he came on the show today as well. So it was great. I mean, it was a great show. Finally getting back in. We get two interviews. Uh, things kind of developed a little bit quickly, but it's always fun to be back. Exactly. That'll do it for us, guys. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Twitter's where we're most lively uh, in the off season, so you can check us out there. Um, go give us a review on iTunes. We'd love you forever for it. It helps us out, helps spread the word. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Have a good night.